0: Скажи мне, американский В чем сила? А вы что, собираетесь на ней Жениться? Да Ух, красота-то какая Лепота Таможня дает добро И вообще не называй мне пожалуйста, время. Кто я? Don't torture me, I can't live without him. Hi, my name's Ali this is the Russ Files Unite podcast, where we watch Russian films and films with a Russian connection. As always, I'm joined by a guest. And this time around, once again, joined by Lynn. Hello. I'm back. <laughs> the
1: time it... between the last episode I recorded with you and the one before that was about a year, nine months, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now it's been a week.
0: Yes, so it's it's very irregular. Also, you're back and and wearing black. So that's Yes,
1: I'm back and wearing black uh despite it being nominally summer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: anyway, we're also in a black car. Yeah. It's a slightly different version than the last time we recorded the car when we went to Lady Macbeth. Yes, yeah, it's a it's a long time already. It's over yes. two years. Oh my goodness! It is over two years. It was was it February or something? I remember it being a lot colder than it is today.
0: Yes, it, it. I think it was Feb or or March. It was pretty soon after we recorded the pilot. We're at the other side of the same car park. There yeah. was
1: more people because it is earlier in the day.
0: Yeah, so we apologise for any weird background. Yeah, sound people room.
1: and cars. What are they doing?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm figuring if you're a regular listener, you're probably not listening for the stunning audio quality you're no here for the content
1: yes here for the sweet sweet content
0: yes which we will deliver now
1: uh yes why are we here we're going to a film the yeah. same reason that we were also here
0: last time yeah because that is the rather than just you know <laughs> the... recording and the car for the sake of being kicked out of the house exactly yeah the, the nominal aim of the of the podcast so what are we watching today lynn is it anna or oh, anna how do you pronounce it i don't know Probably more of an Anna with an R rather than uh, an ah. I don't know much about this movie, except
1: it looks bad and it's directed by Luke Bresson, who is a guy that I generally like the movies of, even though it turns out like most people in the industry that are middle-aged white men, he might be slightly problematic. Oh, has he done stuff? I don't think on a sort of like Harvey Weinstein level. Right. But, uh, but yeah. Anyway, I don't know how he had money to make this film, because didn't Valerian like bankrupt him and his entire company?
0: Um, I didn't know that level of detail. I know it did not do very well. I did see it. And I quite liked it. It was, it was, I mean, this is the thing. I've not seen all of his films by any means, but I've seen quite a few. And it's fair to say that the adjective Baroque might be <laughs> applied to them, which I like to think that I don't enjoy that. But if I'm honest, I kind of I kind yeah. of admire the throw everything at the screen approach. So I, I thought Valerian was tosh, but like with fish, fish element. The fish element. <laughs> the fish element. Yeah. It was, it was a sequel to, um, a fish called Wonder. I was going for a sort
1: of like finding Nemo thing, but yeah. I, I couldn't get there in time. Yeah.
0: So there was, there was, the there was a fish called Wonder, then there was the fish element, and then there was Valerian in the city
1: of a, this is really not working. <laughs> anyway you're floundering Lynn. i am floundering is this is floundering Anna, hey, floundering is Anna based on something because valerian's based on a series of comic strips
0: yeah um as far as i know no uh i have to get this quibble out of the way because i'm a relentless pedant right. in certain things so with the posters for this they have a very nice symmetrical because it's the name of the film is just Anna. hmm They have A-N, backwards N, A, because everyone knows backwards N is a Russian letter. It's true. Um, I knew that. The problem is what looks like uh, backwards N so that it mirrors with normal. hmm you know normal. Latin. Latin, yes, thank you, Lynn for <laughs> yes, like' because everyone knows Latin is the default alphabet, and all other alphabets are just weird variants that are like, somehow less legitimate. Oh, I am not that terrible person, uh, having said that, it having, mirrors the Latin n it mirrors the Latin the Latin n, but the Russian sound that it makes is a long e, so it's e, so this film, if you're like I say, a ferocious pedant. It should be Ania or Ania. I'm kind of hoping that they have run with this
1: and we'll get in there and everyone pronounces her name Ania.
0: Yeah, which is not really a Russian <laughs> normal name. But there's, um, yeah, this is it's a slight bugbear. And in fact, I'm not the only person who feels like this because there is a Twitter account that, I forget the exact handle, but the slogan is no faux Cyrillic, because obviously anything that's mildly Russian themed will press various Cyrillic letters into service as, what, as the thing they most resemble in the Latin alphabet, and frequently that is not what they actually sound like. So I thought I'd get that out of the way. I've just noticed as a child walking
1: in front of this car that is wearing a Russian-esque fur hat, yeah. which is appropriate, even though it's way too hot for any kind of hat.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is a a style choice, even though he's way too young to, you'd think, to be making that sort of statement, but I don't know. I don't know at what point I actually... Still,
1: I'm just looking at coincidences that tie into this podcast. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, That kind of hat is a Shapka Ushanka. Nice. I'm I'm... not going to try and pronounce that. Oh, go on.
1: Shapka Ushanka? Shapka?
0: Shapka. Ushanka.
1: Shapka Ushanka. Is he a sit-up
0: <laughs> Sorry for cliffing there. Uh it, it it took me a split second <laughs> to go, Oh yeah, I get that joke now. Of course, if I've botched the pronunciation of Shapka Ushanka or, or I'm saying it wrong, it's, it's all gonna go in the in the audio trash. So All in the trash. But yeah, yeah. Uh, um, is like a general like word for hat, but Okay. Yeah, I don't know what Ushanka is. Russian listeners, write in. What what's the derivation? Give us the etymology right now.
1: I don't know. Um, um So, I have seen... I don't think I've seen the trailer for this film. I've seen a couple of screenshots. Oh, okay. It looked like it's going to be a sort of, like, faux Cold War thing.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about the setting. I have seen the trailer a few times, and it's, like, kicky, fighty. So, this is the genre of espionage film that's espionage... Espionage? Espionage slash action, as opposed to espionage we're creeping around buildings and there might be an action scene but it's not the main point you know this isn't like bridge of spies or whatever okay the this last
1: is... i rewatched tinker taylor soldier spy the other day.
0: yeah this is not that not
1: that okay no <laughs> good good film though i was yeah. just trying to think of the big Basson connection because the main guy in it was in the fifth element
0: yeah um it's very tenuous so yeah yeah I'm trying to remember. It's, I didn't. I haven't seen that since since the cinema, actually. Which is it's getting on for quite a few years yeah, ago. 2011, I think. Yeah, that was the time where Gary Oldman was like, "That's the badger," thought to be on for winning the Oscar, and then didn't quite. Am I getting this right? I think so. He's played some strange roles. Of course. Yeah, I was I was forgetting he was in Fifth Element because he just does not look like <laughs> him. He's not in this one, sadly. Oh, that's disappointing. Maybe he'll yeah. make a cameo. There are, some, there are a couple of famous people in, in this. I haven't even read the cast list. I'm so ill-prepared for this. How dare you? Or is am it, I prepared it, by not... Not knowing anything. Not knowing just being anything dropped in it? and having to you know, think on yes. your feet and work your way through it and <laughs> survive to the end of the mission. and Trailers, maybe, spoilers. Maybe kill some people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, like I say, I've seen the trailer and it looks very actiony. I feel similarly unprepared in that I haven't seen any of the John Wick movies. (sighs) I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Take my film podcast away from me right now. And I also haven't seen Atomic Blonde, and I think Atomic Blonde is probably like the... I
1: haven't seen Atomic Blonde either. It's like Charlize
0: Theron. It is okay, and lots of like '80s synth rock.
1: I have not seen John Wick three, despite it coming out like two months
0: ago. Mm. Um, but
1: I've seen the first two.
0: Yeah, I, I, I need to see them, and I like they're Files unite fodder. You know, they there's Russian gangsters, and they say <laughs> Bobby Yagar a bunch of times. They do, and I think they true. actually say it, Bobby Yaga, which is the correct pronunciation, rather than. Baba it's Yaga. so
1: realistic and accurate the Jumbo yes franchise
0: so um, <laughs> i mean why would they not yeah um is keanu going to be in this film sadly not oh but in terms of famous people who are in it bringing it back around uh we have helen mirren nice and we also have killian murphy okay so they wanted to be in it
1: yeah i've yet to see a film where killian murphy isn't playing someone slightly creepy
0: I have a feeling he may be slightly creepy in this That's one. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen him like warm and friendly and lovely. No, but maybe he will be. I'm sure he's not creepy in real life. Sorry, uh, Kelly
1: Murphy, if you're listening.
0: <laughs> some some news will break between now and <laughs> the episode. I have to be like you'll have to edit this out. Yeah, and like record in a completely different audio environment. We totally condemn Killian <laughs> Murphy for being a terrible person who shouldn't be in movies anymore. Um. That killed things. Yeah. Uh... Um, I also, uh, again, as we seem to do this when you're the guest, um, I confess to not having seen movies. Yep. I haven't seen Leon, which is. Neither have I. Oh, no. (laughs) Which is like (laughs) the. I don't know whether that's the definitive um, Luc Besson film. The fifth Element is the definitive Luc Besson film. Yeah, but I think <laughs> Leon is probably like the one that people will say is actually good. What? But
1: <laughs> I love the Fifth Element.
0: It's a while since I've seen it, but it is, it, yeah. I mean, in, in a world where <laughs> big budget movies are either reboots or continuations or part of you know some extended universe the fact that Mm. it's a standalone story with its own world and whatnot that's something i liked about fifth element which is obviously from a lot longer ago Mm. and going back to valerian i liked the fact that that was okay yes it was an adaptation of another media but it wasn't just like oh, we're going to take some characters who the whole audience is familiar with so i kind of admire that for going in that direction I thought the cast was a
1: bit too young in Valerian. Hmm. Not this is a Valerian podcast, but having read the comics, I just feel like the two main uh, okay, characters, okay. especially Valerian himself, like everyone seemed like they were sort of teenagers.
0: But, gotcha, gotcha. Um,
1: yeah, it was fun. Anyway, what are we talking about? Would you Anna,
0: recommend. Yes.
1: Would you recommend Valerian?
0: Yes, yeah, as in. Sure. And the comic book? Yeah,
1: definitely recommend the comic book. It's weird.
0: Uh, I've heard that. I've heard that the. the um... I've forgotten the character's name, but the main... Besides Valerian, the the main female character. Lorelai. Lorelai. That that shouldn't be a forgettable name, because I'm a big Gilmore Girls fan. Okay. Never seen Gilmore Girls. The first few seasons are worth checking out. Cool. It does go very silly towards the end. I mean, it's silly all the way through, but it's, like, enjoyable silly to begin with, and then it kind of runs out of steam a bit. Although they did take her name out of the... uh... Because the comics of
1: Valerian and Lorelei.
0: Oh, okay. And they renamed her for the film? Yes. And oh. for the
1: reissues of the English translations of the comics huh. after the film was announced.
0: Interesting. Is this for like owning all the correct copyright type reasons? I don't
1: know. I just seemed to me like maybe it was sexism or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Who knows? Huh. Uh, it just seemed a bit weird. But um Yeah. Anyway, yes. I don't know much about the history of comics, but the evolution of American style of comics and French Style comics are like
0: apparently quite distinct. Mm. Okay, and not necessarily. Well, I was going to say something really snobby there. I was going to say like, <laughs> well, clearly American comics would never influence my French one. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm what I mean by that is there's probably more French arty people who read English than American arty people who read French. That. I'm going seems, to a... That seems tr- likely. <laughs> it seems true, um, but yes.
1: <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> Apologies to those French-Canadian yeah, comic yeah, writers, yeah. but...
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so that Valerian. was Valerian cast. It's good. <laughs> should do a Valerian minute-by-minute.
1: Minute. Yeah, works, of just, like,
0: works. of the film or of the
1: comics? You just do, like, a panel of an episode. <laughs> it's very slow.
0: <laughs> That would be even more niche audience than this thing, which was, is an achievement. It was
1: weird watching the film and then being like, oh, it's a bit like Star Wars when apparently George Lucas nicked slash adapted a lot of stuff from the Valerian comics yeah. for Star Wars. I remember hearing that he was um, a fan. Yeah, yeah. if you read yeah. the first like couple of ones, there's quite a lot of designs and stuff that are quite... Similar. And, uh, I mean, cross pollination is fine. I'm not like having Yeah, like yeah well. That's what happens. It's well, art.
0: people borrow stuff. Yeah, as as the quote that I made up and definitely wasn't Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Talent borrows, genius steals. Exactly. That's an original thought by me. Yeah. I'm definitely <laughs> not that 19th century Anglo Irish guy. No, his
1: gravestone memorial thing's weird in London, isn't it? Uh, I walked past it. I was like, That's... I've anyway. never seen it. I didn't know he was buried in London. I think he is, but I think there's a memorial. Is what I'm thinking. Oh, Someone in okay. London, um, okay. That's anyway. anyway. Oscar Wilde, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he was a person. He was a person. I feel things. really bad. So I've never read the whole of an Oscar Wilde thing. I have read bits of a *Picture of Dorian Gray* and a little bit of *The Battle of Red and Jail*, but I've never like. Read uh, whole okay, because I've
0: thing. I've read *Dorian so Gray* uncultured. cover to cover, but it was a long, long, long time ago. Tell you what, the movie of *Dorian Gray* was just not good. <laughs> No. Yeah, that was that was when I was <laughs> going to the cinema all the time and just watching. <laughs> I mean, it could have been good. Anyway, I feel like we are straying. <laughs> We've just run out of things to say about Anea. Yes,
1: <laughs> Ania. Oh, sorry, Ania.
0: Yeah. Um, well, you see, the the Russian poster doesn't have that problem because the Russian N, which looks like an H, a uh, capital H, hmm. is obviously symmetrical. So.
1: Ah. Inherently
0: symmetrical, so, so more symmetry in letters. Yes, That's what I want. Yeah, more yeah, h's yeah. and capital yeah. A's. Because
1: also capital H's.
0: My my research did include looking up the film on nice. the Russian film site Kino Poisk, which means film search. So the other Russian connection with the this film that we're watching is that the main actor actress lead... Mm-hmm. is sasha loose and she is actually russian yeah. so, uh, and she was in valerian as one of like the beautiful ethereal alieny creatures with the pearls at the beginning but obviously she was in so much makeup slash cgi that there's no way you would recognize her <laughs> other than you know very skinny <laughs> fair enough so yes um
1: I think we're out of things to say about a film we haven't seen yet, so we should go and see the film. I think we
0: are. We should go and see the film, but what do we say at this point in the podcast? Piechelie! Almost. It's more like a hechelie. Yechelie. That's good, yeah. Is that
1: okay? I, that was... I was going to Dutch on the...
0: Yeah, like, Dutch, like there. Du- Dutch slash Welsh or something. Dutch slash Welsh. It's That's so... well, my accent has settled. <laughs> I mean... I know you've lived in Holland, I don't know. Uh, oh, sorry, true. the Netherlands, because I know Holland is... Well, speaking.
1: I mean, I did live in Holland, but yes.
0: Right, right. Yes, I, I am not <laughs>
1: doing the rookie
0: thing of of <laughs> using Holland for the whole of no. the Netherlands, because I know that's, strictly speaking, not correct.
1: Yep. Oh, the anyway. BBC says it's okay for the football team, I discovered the other day.
0: Oh, okay. But only
1: if you're talking about the football team.
0: Gotcha. But isn't one of their, char- their chants is something like... Oh, oh. Hup Holland, Holland Hup, sorry, that was slightly Anglicised pronunciation there, but yes. Better than, yeah, what I was going to go for. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, yes, in that context, apparently it's allowed. We are learning so much. We're on learning this, so much. On this on this um, episode. But yeah, so, three, two, one. Paiathalee! Lynn and I have just watched the film Anna. I'm getting the pronunciation a bit closer to the uh, authentic Russian this time, uh, I think. So before we tell you what we thought of the film, we're just going to have a quick summary from Lynn. So if you haven't watched it yet, then this is when we'll have spoilers. And if that's something that bothers you, yes, pause the podcast, watch the film, and then you can proceed Unspoiled. So with that out the way. Um yeah, there may be fewer spoilers than
1: uh than anticipated because it was a little bit incoherent and I'm not sure I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll give it a go. Over to you. So it it is nineteen is it nineteen ninety or nineteen eighty-five, because my timeline is confused. Anyway, I think it might be nineteen ninety. They're in Moscow, and then a lot of American agents get chased down by the KGB, and they all end up getting heads chopped off and sent to the CIA.
0: To be fair, we only see one decapitated head in the box, but it does That's true. Yeah. It does start out quite like ideas wise graphic, because you just see the face through some like plastic. It's not like a gory, like dripping head, but it's just like a face staring out of a box, which, you know, doesn't have room for the rest of a person. So it's yeah, it's more like. That's a horrible idea. Rather than you see huge amounts of gore, but anyway. exactly.
1: And it's it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of setting up with a level of like continued drama. And do they ever even come back to the head bits? Or I'm getting ahead of myself. That was not an intentional pun. I apologize. Um...
0: <laughs> <We're so unintentional. laughs> it was so unintentional. So unintentional. Just passed you it by. Went over my head. Wait. Okay, well uh continue with the summary.
1: Chop chop. But then what happens wait, I'm trying to remember the order of exactly what happens. But then there is a French fashion guy in a market. Yes. Um in a market in Moscow, and there is a beautiful what are those dolls? Mastroika? Is that not the
0: word? That's probably well, not the word. It's close. It's Matryoshka. Thanks. Thank you. Sorry, slightly patronizing. No no no, I
1: need it. I need to be patronized in Russian. Um <laughs> So anyway, she is selling these in this market. Ostensibly. Yes, as we will discover later. We never see her actually selling it. But this French fashion model scout comes up to her and is like, oh, you're beautiful. That wasn't even French. That was just a terrible accent.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> generic foreign.
1: Generic. Oh, God. It's the worst Britishness. Um, foreigners. They all sound the same. Do they? <laughs> um, so don't put this bit on the internet. Um <laughs> So anyway, so she ends up in Paris having taken up this scout's offer and she moves in and it is, as you would imagine, not quite the uh, amazing experience that the scout promised. She's in a shared flat. Everyone is everywhere and sleeping on the floor and in her bedroom. Um, and it's just a bit of a mess. Anyway, skip forward three months. Three months? She is at a fancy swanky and uh, there's an older... Uh, a sort of middle-aged man who comes up to her and they start flirting and then they decide to go off dinner and then we move forward a bit more into the future. I'm going to say another three months. I can't remember whether it was, but sure, that makes sense.
0: I think that's about right, actually.
1: Yeah, and she's talking to him and she's like, oh, I don't really know anything about you. What do you do? And he's like, oh, uh, I smuggle arms. She's like, oh, I'm just going to the bathroom, as you do, and then comes out and then shoots him. And it turns out that she was a spy.
0: Dun dun dun. Flashback. There's no way um, that you would have guessed this from the no trailer or the, you know, promotional pictures. No. Yeah. There was no way of knowing.
1: It was a crazy yeah. plot twist that no one could see coming.
0: Anyway, flashback
1: to like five years and she is, well, looking the same age, I guess, because they filmed at the same time. But she's meant to be five years younger. It's 1985. And she's living in a crummy flat in Moscow. Um, with an abusive boyfriend and they go out and try and rob an atm apparently it's the first atm in russia supposedly then she they get chased by the police she goes back to the flat and there's a mysterious guy there that's like come and work for the kgb which is like what well, if i don't want to uh he's like well i guess we will kill you then
0: um well well she 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 says something like either i accept your offer or, you, or you're going to murder me, right. Uh, and he's like, yep, pretty much. I, I <laughs> knew you were a smart one. And she's like, right.
1: Yeah, so she, then she slits her wrist and it's very... It's kind of shocking, actually. Mm,
0: yeah, it's, it's pretty graphic.
1: There, isn't, there aren't many things in this film that are particularly shocking, even when it kind of wants you to be more shocked. Mm. Um, but yeah, that bit is actually quite shocking and graphic. And the camera lingers on a lot of blood. Um while she talks to this guy. Anyway, he's like, oh, don't waste your life here. You could you could do great things for your country or whatever. We need people like you. Um, so she is eventually persuaded. So then she gets trained by the KGB and her boss, Helen Mirren, who it took me quite a long time to realise it was Helen Mirren, but it was Helen Mirren. <laughs> um, is very sceptical of her. And then this continues in the manner you might expect until we get to the point where we see them plant her as the Russian doll seller in this market so she can be picked up by the fashion agency guy who is not in on this. He has just been manipulated into finding her. And it turns out, you know, she w- he was planted there, she was planted there, and then so she'd go back to Paris and kill this arms dealer. So thus we have a backstory. There's an undercurrent in all of this that she would like to get out of the KGB, mm.
0: that she saw this as a kind of temporary thing. She was specifically promised. You she know, was, she was, yes. Do, it was, was, it, was it five years five for years, us, yeah. And then you're free to go and we'll give you lots of money and you'll just have a nice rest of your life. But it turns out
1: there isn't one way out of the KGB and that is heavily implied that death is the only way out of the KGB. Does anyone ever explicitly say it? I don't know.
0: Um, uh, well, I mean the head of the KGB does point a pistol like right at her forehead. Oh yeah, good point. And that's she's pretty, like, how much has a you. Okay, point point taken. We're 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 not in a we're not in the business of of subtle messages here. No. So as we discovered from the heads in boxes earlier, the one <laughs> head and the implied <laughs> other heads.
1: Yeah, it's not a superly super subtle spy film. So she ooh, yeah, I'm getting this next bit in slightly the wrong order because you see her undertake a mission and then there's a flashback that explains it. But I'm just going to explain the whole thing uh, in roughly chronological order. So she has to go and do a mission uh, in a hotel, which has to pretend to be a prostitute or an escort, whatever, and then kill another sleazy arms dealer guy, I guess. But it turns out that the CIA knows she's a spy and knows that this is going down. And then they're in the room uh, with the CD guy um, and catch her and say, "Look, you should come work for us. It will be much better than working for the KGB. Uh, and we need you to take out the head of the KGB because he's a jerk." I'm paraphrasing. Uh, <laughs> he is a jerk. We've seen him in some other scenes. Um, but the CIA are like, "Yeah, you know, we used to get along okay before this guy got promoted, but now and it's then all started
0: bad. cutting people's heads off and sending right. sending them to us exactly."
1: So then, um, it turns out that she takes the CIA up on this offer, and it also turns out that the current deputy head of the KGB, Helen Mirren, also doesn't like the head of the KGB, and she's kind of okay with this. So the climax or almost climax of the film is um, Anna going into the head of the CIA's office, sorry, sorry, the head of the KGB's office, playing chess with him, and then winning, and then shooting him. And then trying to get out of the building. While well, she gets chased by all these other Russian soldiers that are all guarding the building. But it turns out there's no easy way to get out of the CIA either. And then I've kind of forgotten what happens.
0: <laughs> what happens then? What happens at the end of this film? Oh, she goes back to, back to Paris. Yes. And she's supposed to be meeting up with her CIA oh, yeah! handler in, a park. in the park. Of course, the KGB are not yes. best pleased with the fact that she's put a bullet in the head of their, you know, now a former head of the KGB. And so there's kind of a standoff in the park. That's right. She walks, uh, she walks off. I can't remember what she walks off with. Um, I've forgotten the name of the main cia dude, but anyway she goes away and then um olga her immediate line manager uh (laughs) (laughs) puts several bullets in her and we assume uh that's you know good night for her but it turns out that it isn't dun dun dun
1: it turns out that she can go and have a nice kind of life sort of yes so it works out all right in the end always well it ends well etc um, <laughs> the things that we haven't mentioned is that there is tension in this park because she's meant to be meeting two people, yes. one of whom is the CIA boss guy, played by Cillian Murphy, yep. and uh, the other is her KGB co-worker, uh, who she has had a relationship with, and it's all very tense.
0: Yeah, well, um, this, this was the chap who recruited her in her scummy, evil, abusive boyfriend's flat, to begin with, uh, who made the promise of, oh, it's five years, and then you're free as a bird. So he lied to her, despite
1: the evident sexual tension between them. Yes. Um, talking of, I was going to say sexual tension, but there's not actually that much tension, sexual relations. No, no, she yeah, has... I was going to say,
0: they don't leave things uh, tense for very long because, you know, uh, any tension is, is, <laughs> is pretty much acted on straight away. Yeah, there's not
1: much. For a spy film, there's not that much tension. So she also has a... Okay, she also has a girlfriend, but this relationship is very badly developed.
0: Yeah, yeah. So she
1: meets this other model in the shared house in Paris mm. near the start of the film. And then they. it's implied they become girlfriends. They definitely move in together. Um, and just, it's implied there's like a romantic or sexual thing between them, but mm. it's not really revisited. The girlfriend is only really there very occasionally, when the film wants to show that maybe there's some more stakes.
0: Yeah, maybe Anna has some desire for a normal life. Yeah, because she seems nice. When she's not, like, blowing people away. Yeah. So anyway, that's almost like a
1: side a side plot. It's not clear yeah. what's going on. I think that's, that's
0: about it. It's a little bit confused. Oh, yeah. And one thing, listener, you will have picked up is in the confusion is there's lots of time jumps
1: yes there are a lot of time jumps um and they're all signposted which is meant to make it clearer Mm. but i don't know i feel like they want to be It wants to be a bit edgy like oh let's tell a thing in a non-linear fashion that makes it more tense but there's there's so little of it that's surprising that i don't think the time jumps really make any difference you could have told it linearly and it would have been fine
0: yeah, I mean, in terms of the so-called twists, there I wouldn't say I wasn't engaged enough to be trying to figure out what was going to happen. But each thing that happened, I wasn't like, <gasps> no, exactly, My goodness, didn't see that coming. Although I didn't explicitly see it coming, if you see what I mean, it was just like, oh, okay, that's another thing that happened. But I think you're absolutely spot on. It it's it's a gimmick. There isn't like it's basically so you can reveal thing you can hide things in order to go to reveal them later which yeah it's it's just like time jumps can be done really well i mean the classic one people talk about is Pulp fiction which i haven't seen for years uh, but i seem to remember that being pretty effective so it's not it's not that it can't be done well it's just it's kind of a bit uh, a bit pointless <laughs>
1: um yeah it's a bit pointless and that just feels like a bit of an affectation
0: yes yeah um what did you think of the tone i mean you've kind of talked about it a little bit and this is a pretty loaded question i must admit <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's it's
1: a bit all over the place
0: like mm. it can't quite decide
1: what it wants to be and like it sets up particularly like the wrist sitting scene but yeah. like it sets up these kind of like, oh, this is grim, this is hard, like this is a hard-hitting like film that's tough to watch and and you should care about these people because they have hard lives and everything is grim. Um but then there's also like just big like schlocky action set pieces, like sort and, and a lo- so much sort of spy film uh like cliche, which mm-hmm. is not that it which is not intrinsically bad if you want to watch like, there's no wrong with one that a spy film that's that's just sort of actiony and and fine, but it yeah. it doesn't really settle on what it wants to be, and the the kind of grittier bits don't didn't find it made me care about what happened to the people in the other scenes particularly. Yeah,
0: it was it was supposed to like, and I I wondered what the whole like scummy boyfriend thing was doing there the best i can come up with as an explanation is it's showing us she had this really terrible life and that's i guess because it's pretty difficult for a western audience to to identify with somebody who joins the the kgb if they were just like they were just having a normal-ish life and then a kgb guy shows up and says Want to join the KGB? And they're like, sure. Then it's a bit like, ugh, KGB, they're horrible and evil and gross, aren't they? So why would I like this person? But when it's a, well, he didn't give you any choice and you were like a drug addict suffering, like, physical, mental, verbal, probably sexual abuse at the hands of this really nasty piece of work partner slash boyfriend, it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I... Probably, probably would take a take the the way. Out. Although, as we've established, it seems like she would rather just end her life than than choose uh, that over. Yeah, uh, staying with the with the boyfriend. Um, and then you also talked about the girlfriend because I felt like that was set up like semi well when she goes hmm. into the flat and it's really crowded and hectic and busy but you see her and the um the name of the girlfriend is Maud I think we discover um okay but they they both give each other a kind of hello kind of look and it's and it's very it's very mutual like it's yeah. strongly that, you know, there is an attraction here. Yeah, but she's not
1: doing it because it's part of her cover.
0: No, it's just like she actually thinks that Maud is hot. Um, But it kind of then totally walks that back, like, later on, because any time, like, Maud is trying to, like, get her into bed or whatever, she's just like, uh, I'm, I'm tired or I'm stressed out. Uh, I, I need my, my own space. Whereas you know, later on in the film, where she has the opportunity to get down to it with either Alex, who is her oh, know, the, the KGB, KGB recruiter, or Killian Murphy, it's like, yep, getting right onto that, and there's no like hesitation. I mean, you could argue, well, she's mainly doing that, you know, to kind of gain power over those guys rather than being particularly. Into it, actually, that is one of the dumbest things in the whole movie. Is her and Alex getting down to it in a cupboard in the in oh, Lubyanka, yeah. the, the KGB building, which is you know now where the yeah sort of leaning up is. against
1: the boiler.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right before she is about to off her, you know, ultimate boss. So it's just like. Um that's probably not the best way of like not drawing attention to yourself. <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether the uh, um the the walls inside Lubyanka are just incredibly thick so no sound can get out. Um but it yeah. It it was pretty pretty stupid. Um can we talk for a
1: minute about I was going to say anachronisms, there are some definite anachronisms that we'll get to, but also uh, kind of tying into that like inconsistencies Mm. where in the gritty past with her abusive boyfriend, everyone is speaking Russian in this 10 to 15 minute scene. Yeah. And in the rest of the film, everyone is just speaking English in with various different accents.
0: Yeah, with various levels of commitment. So, I mean, the irony is in terms of, when she's speaking in uh, supposedly in Russian, but to other you know non-Russian actors or to sorry I should say to non-Russian actors because Sasha Luce is is Russian, she doesn't speak with a particularly pronounced accent. I mean I guess in real life she's been speaking English for a long time and therefore has you know a barely detectable accent whereas Helen Mirren in particular is like hello I am Olger. I am your boss and <laughs> I am a real hard arse and don't even try it, uh, it I mean she's having a lot of fun but it's yeah. it, Um, I mean I think that just comes down to they hired a Russian speaking actor to play scummy evil abusive boyfriend and then they hired, you know, a big name like um, Helen Mirren, and then Luke Evans, as you know, he's been in some Hollywood films that are reasonably big, and yeah, they got them for the name, so then you've got this inconsistency. Um, oh, in passing, uh, listeners who've been with us for, for a little while, and if you've watched this film and also Attraction, which we covered uh, at the end of last series, you may well recognise uh, the abusive boyfriend as that is the actor alexander petrov um who is the horrible abusive boyfriend in that as well so apparently he's uh <laughs> he seems it's to a bad be... bit of typecasting possibly unless, unless yeah. he's
1: a horrible abusive person which obviously hope he isn't uh, uh
0: yeah so we we have no reason to uh yeah to believe that 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 is that is the case but but certainly it seems like luke besson or the casting person saw attraction and went he's pretty nasty, uh, we need him in this, so so yeah, so then it is really weird that you have, you know, these relatively lengthy scenes in Russian that are gritty, and then, like, he dies, and then the other supposed Russians that Anna is uh, interacting with are not played by Russians, and therefore it has to be in English, it's just like, maybe I shouldn't care, but it does take you out of it
1: yeah it does it's they don't really commit to being either we're going to get everyone to speak russian when it's appropriate or just have everyone speaks english all the time Um, yeah just all the time
0: yeah i mean i i thought although they're misplaced in terms of the tone of the film overall i thought those horrible (laughs) abusive boyfriend scenes were pretty well done i mean alexander petrov is He does a good job of being menacing and horrible.
1: I almost want two versions of this film. I know that Louis Besson, as a result of the failing Valerian, doesn't have Mm. a lot of money to play with these days. Um, But I kind of wish they would made it twice. Like, one gritty, serious take on the character and another one that was just sort of... The throwaway... Yeah, yeah, throwaway... Exactly, action, spy movie... And I think that would have been interesting. And what we got is like a weird mashup that doesn't really work. That's not to say that there weren't decent performances. Like, I can't think of any performances that I just thought like, ugh, Um, like everyone is fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, Helen Mirren is, as I've mentioned, kind of chewing the scenery, but that's quite fun to watch. Yeah, and it's kind of her character
1: in this film, because she's not in any of the like grittier scenes.
0: no. But it does establish that she's supposedly pretty, pretty ruthless. I mean, going back to... Sorry, we've already covered this. But going going back to the tone thing, there was a couple more things I wanted to, to mention in terms of, like, the nastiness. Like, with the German guy in the hotel in Milan that Anna is supposed to be assassinating and then the CIA steps oh, in and yeah. stops her... With that, she then has to, like, cut this guy's finger off because that's, like, the proof that Olga wants that she's done the deed and also they need it for, like, for the fingerprint. And and quite a big deal is make, made of this cutting off the finger. So this guy doesn't die, but Killian Murphy's like, well, if you need the finger, you need the finger. And then Anna is like, well... You can't do it. I have to do it because there's a special kind of cut that the KGB teach you to do when they're teaching you to cut people's fingers off, and you won't know how to do it properly, so I have to do it. And it's just like that is quite a lot of attention to pay to quite a grisly. Yeah, detail. again,
1: this kind of sudden, like, are we going to have like a minute or a couple of minutes of like dark grittiness because for some reason.
0: Yeah, and then the other thing, which is not nearly on the level of, you know, cutting somebody's finger off. Oh, and that's weird, just because Killian Murphy's like, yeah, fine. And the the guy, who I thought was a German diplomat, actually, okay. rather than an arms dealer. I mean, I may have got that confused. No, you may well be right.
1: I thought the first guy was an arms dealer, but you're right, Mike.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And he was like, this isn't what I agreed to. And Killian Murphy's like, uh, well, it's what's happening to you, so... Better mean dead, right? Um he never actually says that, but that's the strong yeah. implication. So yeah, so his finger gets taken. But anyway, the other the other pretty violent thing in terms of like it's dwelt on, is she has various fashion shoots throughout, which, you know, as you might expect when her cover is being a fashion model. But it's this very nervous, geeky English photographer who really, really, really gets on her nerves and is also making her late for an appointment she really has to be at. So she completely loses it and then just, you know, jumps on this guy and starts just, like, smashing him in in the face and, like, taking photos of him, like, cowering. It's not clear whether this is meant to be funny. Like, is this meant to be a comedy?
1: Or is this meant to be, like, a brutal
0: takedown of horrible pompous fashion people because yeah, pompous- there's there's like <laughs> there's there's like a triptych of pompous fashion photographers throughout there's one who's french there's one who's american and then there's one who's english and i think the english one is the one you see last and she yeah, just I think so. at this point she's just losing it with all this crap and she just goes to town on his face
1: <laughs> yeah it's not Stephen merchant but it's the kind of guy that Stephen merchant might play Yes. That, I remember yeah. feeling that
0: kind of... Yeah, uh, reminded me a little bit of David Schneider, who okay. was one of the co-writers of Death of Stalin, and he's done other stuff with Amanda Unucci. He's Correct. occasionally in things in kind of like bit parts. But yeah, he's, you know, with the best will in the world, a slightly nerdy-looking gentleman. And that's ju- it's just like, it's very... I mean, yes, he was being annoying, but it's kind of apropos of nothing. And also she has this cover that she's supposed to be keeping. I mean, I don't know whether we're supposed to understand that she's such a big modeling star at this point that she can kind of behave really badly and get get away with it. Because, I mean, goodness knows you hear stories of well-established, successful models behaving appallingly and you know whacking people that sort of celebrity thing yeah 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 i have so much money that yeah even if the they find me it's going to be like two days works worth rather than you know a a serious concern and you'll never work again type thing do you
1: think that the the total shifts were deliberate i mean i know they were deliberate in the sense that someone directed and edited this film (laughs) um but i don't know like when they sat on to make it Do you think that was in, like, their minds? Like, this is going to be a thing that is all these different things mashed up? Or do you think it just kind of... I don't don't know.
0: I think it just kind of ended up that way. It just doesn't doesn't seem, like, particularly thought out. It just seems like, oh, we wanted all of these elements and we didn't, like, take three or four steps back at the thing we were potentially about to create and going, does this actually work together for you know, as a cohesive whole. Because then that... Sorry, carry on. That that, that was, I think it was going to be my main point, really. It was just, like, there was a 90-minute throwaway action film here, or even, like, slightly shorter than that, because you get, you know, more than half an hour's worth of, like, fairly ploddy yeah. stuff. But, it, yeah, it's a it's virtually two hours long, you know, to the minute. And it's just, like doesn't need to be that long no it
1: doesn't need to be that long. an hour and a half would probably made it a better film
0: yeah but then there's a couple
1: of things that i don't know is it laziness or deliberate trolling because they were definitely conscious choices either conscious choices to be lazy or conscious choices to not care um just be like like, in your face (laughs) yeah about historical things and about anachronistic things Mm. which was so i'm not the kind of person that i don't know when watching films i am most of the time Usually, unless it's something that I, I know lots about, which is, let's be honest, not that much stuff. Um, oh, you like, sell yourself short, Lynn. No, but I mean, I'm willing to, <laughs> by and large, like, suspend disbelief and not care too much about minor things. Like, yeah, you know, I yeah. know that there, there'll there be notes on the internet that, I don't know, there's some film with, like, a phone that didn't come out until 1993, and the film is set in November 1992, and you're like, you know what? Yeah, it's six months different something. I don't. I'll let it slide. Like, yeah, it's it's a, it's an it's an oversight that's understandable, and uh, it doesn't affect the film. But I don't <laughs> know. It, it's such <laughs> it's such deliberate trolling. Like I've been on the IMDb page since, and I don't know. It's like the first thing in the goof section. You're like, you can't. It's not a goof. Like it's so intentional because all of the technology. In this film, would that you maybe even cars? I don't know much about cars. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this. But it even is... looked that way. Like everything is about a decade out. Like all the mobile phones they use, the laptops they use are like late nineties to early like into the two thousands.
0: Yeah, we see one like brick phone, which is a, in a scene we haven't talked about, uh, retrieved by Anna from a. I guess he's a gangster or something from a
1: moscow cafe for it's like her first mission isn't it to kill this gangster and get his phone that was actually
0: a pretty good action scene yeah definitely maybe Um, that's why we
1: haven't talked about it because we haven't really got much (laughs) in that scene to moan about um
0: (laughs) yeah well let's get all the things that we hated (laughs) out the way (laughs) i don't think i hated the
1: anachronisms because i think they were too obvious to hate
0: yeah, but like, it was, was kind of like, like
1: okay, fine. This is another weird thing that they've decided to do here. Because yeah,
0: I mean, it's not like he doesn't know. This isn't a film made by like a callow, like no, there is twenty-one-year-old no filmmaker who hasn't done his research. This is a, like a fifty-year-old man who was making films in the late '80s. He knew what technology was around then and what wasn't, and it's just like the film's just like, ah, eh, eh, people are gonna have like. Nokia's from the turn of the millennium in, like, 1990. Yep, um, and, and
1: she's going to steal all the data on USB flash drives. Yeah. I think it also was not invented in 1990. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's just there for convenience.
0: Yeah, and she's going to apply for, or consider applying for a job in the Soviet Navy on her laptop, which apparently <laughs> is connected to the internet. <laughs>
1: um again in like 1985 yeah yeah and it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter to the film and i think it would matter less especially mm. in those even more so in those gritty scenes if like if it's just a kind of fun genre spy movie those yeah. things do not matter like i don't care about pedants on the internet claiming they do it doesn't matter no but somehow like if you're going to try and settle on this like oh it's gritty i don't know there's like an element of like Realism, I think, implied in that kind of grittiness. Mm. So, I don't know. Again, yeah. I don't care whether they're like accurate to the month, but yeah.
0: But if you if you want people to take the film seriously, then you have to pay more attention to that stuff. Whereas if it's meant to be just totally throwaway popcorn fodder, then yeah. eh, who, who who cares? It's like it's a James Bond movie. You have like a car that you can. Control by your phone, which I mean, actually, probably now is <laughs> not that far-fetched. But in say, like, nineteen ninety-seven, when Tomorrow Never Dies co- comes out, that's kind of like, yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's it's, but totally it's impossible. impossible. It yeah. doesn't matter.
1: Like, the living- technology doesn't it- exist. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, another sort of tone thing it couldn't settle on. Also, from a kind of historical standpoint, it just it needs the Soviets to be super Soviet somehow. So mm. it's set most of the film was set in 1990, a year after the Berlin Wall falls, a year before the Soviet Union falls.
0: Yeah. Um, in, in and which, no one in which cares. cares. Yeah, yeah. It, it, at that point, like, Soviet-aligned Warsaw Pact countries, their communist governments are, you know, are crumbling, and Gorbachev has the option, you know, of following the standard Soviet playbook of, like, well, they're not playing ball, so in go the tanks, and he doesn't do it. Um and, and also, you know, within the republics of the Soviet Union, you have people demonstrating against Moscow being overbearing. And yes, there was, there was violence, but there wasn't like a concerted from the very top down, like we are, you know, crushing this with like maximum force in the way that they'd done in Czechoslovakia in the 60s and Hungary in the 50s. It just, yeah... But none of that, like, the Cold War is kind of coming to a close is there at all. In fact, like, you know, the, the leader of of the KGB is kind of, like, ramping things up. And it's just, like, in some ways, it's like, why is this even set in the period that it's set? Other than, like, we want the, it, it to be the KGB because they're, like, an unambiguous baddies for a Western audience, you know?
1: Yeah, maybe if they'd have set it 10 years previously, I don't know. Because they got some late 70s, early 80s fashion in mm, um, yeah, as yeah, well. Good well, I mean, that.
0: and it would make more sense if it's like, I don't know, like 79, 80 to to 85, because that was like knife edge point in the Cold War where, it, you know, people who lived through it say, yeah, it did seem like somebody was going to blow up the world, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, yeah... Although they don't really, they don't really focus on like the nuclear side of things at all. It's just about like spies murdering each other for the most part. Yeah, there's not much of an
1: external threat beyond
0: no. the spy agencies. Yeah, it's it's all focused on Anna, and you know, is she going to get to retire to Hawaii or wherever, or or is she is she going to be killed by somebody? um actually a- again sort of harping on the tone but her backstory such as it is is that her is that her parents died and that's totally her parents death is totally oh, Yeah, I completely for forgot about that.
1: Yeah, it's like a 22nd scene isn't it of them getting hit
0: by a truck. Yeah, because they're like they're essentially making out in in the car and not paying attention to what to this, you know, hulking great truck that you know like Oh, yeah, but it, right, it's
1: done in such a sort of corny way. Like, yeah. this played sort of for laughs. And yeah, then back again into this gritty
0: Yeah, and, and also just, like, the whole... Like, well, then how did her parents dying end up with her becoming a, a drug addict and a homeless person to the extent that her abusive boyfriend says, you know, you'd be turning tricks for a, for a living if it if it wasn't for me. And I'm kinda of like, okay, well I don't want to paint too rosy a picture of Soviet communism here. But yes, I think there were homeless people, but in general there was a there was a like a, a full employment policy. So essentially You could get a job, it would be a crappy job, but you'd have a roof over your head and you'd have enough money for, you know, basic, you know, subsistence rations. And the only way you'd end up without that was if you were like a persona non grata, because they tended to use... You could be penalized for being unemployed, basically they'd call it parasitism, and then they could put you in in prison if you were like supposedly refusing to work and What would happen like with dissidents is, is that basically word would get around that any place that they applied for a job would turn them down, so then it would look like they weren't trying to get work and then mm. you could like throw them in jail i i mean I'm sure I'm garbling that, but essentially you know it was relatively hard to be unemployed and you know absolutely like destitute in the way that she's depicted in the film i mean russian listeners who know this (laughs) this period better please feel free to write in and and correct me if this is this is not the case but yeah i get the impression that it was harder to end up on the streets in the Soviet Union of this period than it would be to say now, uh, to be honest.
1: So all these are really points in the, in the, the Like, don't care, kind of schlocky spy film mm. column. But yeah. then, yeah, it just seems incongruous. Just cut out yeah. cut out the gritty parts.
0: Yeah, well, and just a lot is... Just have
1: it as a fun thing.
0: Yeah, a, a lot is made of the fact that she's an orphan because Olga says, well, actually, the this is a problem. She doesn't have anyone that she cares about, therefore we don't actually have any leverage over her. Um and it's kinda like, yeah, her parents were killed, but are we to assume that like both of her parents were only children and that, you know, neither of her parents had any friendships yeah, no or social no friends. social relationships? Because I I know when I I was, I guess, a young teenager, it occurred to me to ask the question to my parents, like hmm if something ever happened to you, what would, what would happen to us? And they were like, well, you know, we have friends who we've kind of have like a mutual agreement that if something happens, you have to join MI6. It's the (laughs) the only way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You have to become an assassin for pay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah. So it's kind of like that just was also, I'm probably giving this film more, more thought than, uh, that it probably deserves. But um, yeah, you have alluded a little bit to stuff that was enjoyable. Yeah, there were some good action scenes. That one where Anna does her first
1: like hit, I guess, against this gangster guy at a restaurant is fun. Like It's well choreographed. Um, I don't know whether it's, what's her name? Sasha Luce? Yes. I don't know whether it's her doing the stunts or whatever, but it's well cut. Like It's cut in a way that you can tell what's going on but mm-hmm. it's still cool looking. Yeah, like, it's a fun scene. Uh, the only criticism I would make slightly is that she is, like, super badass, Um, except when, like, everyone else is either dead or injured or has run away, and the last gangster then... Who is this, like, kind of big pre-unfit older dudes, like, comes he's up behind very, her and then...
0: He's very burly, though. He seems to be, like, a combination of, like, fat and muscle. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure
1: the implication is he's strong, but then yeah. also that he is super stealthy.
0: Yeah. So he, <laughs> like, like,
1: sneaks up behind her.
0: Yeah, gets the jump on her. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um
1: And then, it's like she is kick-ass, except on those moments where the film needs her not to be, suddenly.
0: Temporarily, yeah. Yeah,
1: um, which is a bit
0: weird. But the rest of the scene was fun, and um then... hmm. Yep, some some good plate
1: murder. Good plate murder. Is that a good band name? I don't think it is. No. Might be an album name.
0: Like like, Gratuitous stabbing. How about that? Gratuitous
1: stabbing. Yeah. Also, she tries to murder him with a fork, or does murder him with a fork, but seems like the least effective way. As someone who's never murdered anyone with anything. (laughs) (laughs) But if I was going to not use this podcast as evidence in the court of law... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's out there it's in the public
0: domain no um Lin read like a list Lin read <laughs> out his death list um <laughs> said top priority is
1: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and like the uh Olga and Alex are waiting outside in the car and it's kind of like oh we should get it done in time although it didn't oh, feel and that and she tense, comes but... she
0: comes out like with her very nice fur coat and fur oh, hat yeah. like dripping with blood it's like drenched in blood and it just happens to be no passers by
1: (laughs) it's a quiet street it didn't look like that much of a quiet street but it was it's quiet
0: it's quietish but it's also it's the middle of the day in (laughs) the russian capital and you know people aren't so massively diligent that every single person is slaving away at their desk you know until you know six in the evening so nobody's gonna be out and about um yeah I mean it can't have been that quiet because there was a restaurant full of people full of patrons yeah um, yeah well well also the the gangster guy is wearing a giant cross oh yeah it's very blingy and I didn't note this very carefully but it didn't look like an Orthodox cross with like the extra little crossbar mm-hmm. on there so you know I'm gonna ding it for 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 that but also <laughs> just in general like I mean, I know it's the late 80s and there's more, like, tolerance around stuff because of Perestroika. Not that they talk about in the film at all. But still, it doesn't seem like a brilliant move wearing big religious symbols out in the open. Again, any Russian listeners who happen to remember the late 80s Soviet Union, you know, if I'm totally wrong about, you know, the acceptableness of, you know, uh, religious... Iconography and clothing, yeah. Please do write in, but I yeah, that just seemed very weird. Olga has an Orthodox cross, doesn't she? I might I wrong did about she? that? But I thought yeah. she did. Uh, um, which a would be very weird, very a big, weird for a person one. in
1: the KGB. But he's trolling us. It's all uh, an allegory about religious persecution. The whole yeah. film. I've figured yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going yeah. back to university to do film studies right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I need more student debt. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was a fun thing. And like the escape at the end where she's running out of the KGB building and being chased is quite fun.
0: And doing like um, scissor takedowns in a Black Widow style.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was very, it was very Black Widowy. y But yeah, like some of the action scenes were fun, but...
0: Yeah, and and, and the fashion slash murder montage the set fashion to, murder montage set to uh in excess at need you tonight um uh, nice good reference there i did not get that i had i had to look that up because it was kind of like oh, i recognize <laughs> this song it's very 80s kind like, of rock. but yeah i think we talked about this in the in the intro that we haven't seen atomic blonde but it kind of almost seems a bit like luke besson saw that and went yeah, that's that's a good idea. I'll do that and I'll have some like period appropriate pop rock music on the soundtrack. Wham. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, the soundtrack. Yeah, it could have had Wham, wham on there. Should have had Wham.
1: Yeah. Should have been Club
0: Tropicana for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it could have It could have been anything calma, calma, to be honest, given how calma calma consistent chameleon, chameleon it was. because she did come and go between different countries and different she came th- and went. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Missed opportunity.
1: Missed, dear Luc Besson, I hope you're okay, I guess. Well, um, mm,
0: <laughs> yeah. I hope you didn't do the things that you are alleged to have, have done, because that's awful. Just but, be a better person, Luc Besson. Yeah.
1: I like The Fifth Element, and I quite enjoyed Valerian, even though no one went to see it. And yeah. neither did I, because I watched it on Netflix.
0: <laughs> yeah. And those those movies are kind of... Bonkers, but they're consistently bonkers. Yes, um, I mean this in terms of like the slight tonal weirdnesses. This did slightly remind me of one of his French language films, *The Adventures of Adele Blanc Sec*, which okay. is about a uh, like kind of a female version of Indiana Jones, but set in the nineteenth century French Empire. That's mostly very, very kind of like knockabout. Silliness. You have like a pterodactyl and like resurrected mummies that are actually, you know, fairly benevolent compared to you know what you can normally expect from uh, Egyptian mummies risen from the grave. So it's got some of this stuff in it, and that's like the the main overall tone. But it also has this thing about how her identical twin sister is in like a permanent comatose state due to getting a like a hairpin through her brain in a freak tennis accident and it's just like sure. why is that in there <laughs> so he does have form in terms of like having like is it also too long
1: could they've i don't know how long the adventure of the blog sec is but i think if there was just...
0: a li- that did slightly overstay
1: same it's kind welcome. of thing you, can, but... you just need a better editor sorry whoever mm. edited this film it was probably Luke Besson, was was there um, if the editor of that film was listening and you were overridden in your choices by Luke Besson,
0: I apologise. You should... No, you should have stood up to him. <laughs> said, no, this is this is a mess, Luke. You need to make this <laughs> a tight 90 minutes shoot 'em up non-complicated, non-faux-gritty nonsense
1: thing. So what did we think about this film, Ali? Not that we have to agree.
0: Um, I think it had... It's moments, like we've discussed, some of the fight scenes were pretty good. The performances were pretty decent. I mean, Sasha Luce acquitted herself pretty well in, like, you know, not a well-scripted film. Oh, in passing, the poor script thing, that's just reminded me of, like, probably the two most clunky things in terms of the script so the Arms Dealer, sorry, I'm just going back to dunking on the on, on this <laughs> film. Um but um yeah Written so, and directed by Lou
1: Besson. So yes.
0: So he's he's fully responsible. So first thing, Arms Dealer, you know, maybe boyfriend until she like puts several holes in his upper yeah. abdomen. He says to her these are both Russian characters, says, Oh, you should really visit St. Petersburg at some point because it is beautiful and it is the window on Europe. And it's kind of like, yes, this is something that all Russians would know about St. Petersburg but would not need to therefore explain to each (laughs) other that that's that's very much for the benefit of audiences. If you don't know very much about St. Petersburg, it's the window on Europe. Um, So that was stupid. Um, it just seems like Luc Besson heard that once and went, that's kind of poetic sounding. I want to shoehorn that into my movie. Anyway, so that's clunker number one. And then massive clunker number two is the speech towards the end where Anna explains that she's kind of like a Russian doll and like it's she's a woman, but inside that woman is a spy and inside that is a model. And then you keep going down. There are all these different things that that there are and then when you get down to the lowest layer there's this tiny little thing and she doesn't know what that last one is and she wants to find out what that is and that's why she's got to carry on living and it's just like wow so you decided to write a movie about a russian female character and the cleverest thing you could come up with is that she's somehow like a matryoshka doll it's just like someone needed to have a word with him and just go go that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Luke. Stop it. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway,
1: what did yeah, you? Yeah, no, you're right. Just, just, just stop the podcast there. Um. <laughs> I thought some of the cinematography was nice. According to IMDb, I couldn't find mention that this was actually filmed in Russia. Um. So for all the Russian scenes, I mean, they have some like long shots of Russian cities, but it's very well done, like emerged in pretty
0: much all, all 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 Moscow. And I I did enjoy doing some like sightseeing of you know places that I've mm. that I've been. That was that was quite gratifying. I did enjoy that.
1: So yeah, it was um yeah, it's like looked nice. I think it was just I wish I cared, and maybe that's I don't know. Am I a psychopath? I <laughs> know, uh, I mean No, uh... well, <laughs> no I don't I w- I don't wanna like lack empathy. Like because there was a core there of like this person that's in bad circumstances that has a chance to get out, but that chance is like comes with a lot of cost and maybe that cost was too high mm. and like maybe they can't get out and like maybe getting out means they have to leave stuff that they've come to care about behind and like mm. there's all this stuff that's potentially interesting. And it just no- nothing like goes. Nothing quite hooks you to really actually care about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, in terms of people I cared about, I probably felt most sorry for Anna's girlfriend Maud because she's basically like strung along. Yeah, agreed.
1: <laughs> and like, that's not to say. I just don't find the care lingered. Like, when she slit her wrist, you're like, oh, I don't really want this person to die.
0: but And she clearly is not going to because the movie is called Anna and it's, you know, like, half an hour in at this point. So it's and, just like...
1: And when she's in a sort of abusive relationship and her boyfriend is being horrible and you're like, oh, this really sucks. It's like, I hope hmm. she, you know, I hope it's not going to be all, like, this kind of horrible situation. But it doesn't. it doesn't linger. Like, in that individual moment, I kind of cared that this is a horrible thing that's happening to somebody. Mm. But that didn't make me care about what happened to her the rest of the film when it became more of a slocky spy thing. And I think they wanted to, the film wanted you to care and it to set this thing up, but it just felt so disconnected that it didn't Oh yeah,
0: it was kind of like, I mean, I don't know how you would have incorporated that element of the story later on. It would have been very clunky, but... It was just like, oh, well, that's now behind you. (laughs) So, hooray. Let's get back to murdering people and trying on fancy clothes.
1: Yep. Uh, So, in summary, I would watch it on Netflix if I was bored, maybe? That's my official rating.
0: Yeah, it's it's a... Don't go out of your way or spend money you wouldn't have <laughs> otherwise spent on this film, I think is the most ringing endorsement, I mean, that we can give. And also in view of the, you know, it sounds like fairly credible accusations against Luke Besson, I don't feel, like, great about myself for having, like, not been aware of that and having kind of supported this movie financially, but yeah... Oh, well.
1: Um, So do you have any better movies that you would, Russian or otherwise, uh, recommend?
0: Um, You know, in in terms of like, of a similar vein? I mean, in terms of spy things set in the late 80s, well, and in fact filmed in the late 80s, I really like the first of the two Timothy Dalton, James Bond films living daylights i mean there's some corny stuff in there as you might imagine for a james bond film but it's it's pretty consistent throughout i mean i like timothy dalton a lot there's um i liked him in doctor who right i think yeah. of anything else that i've seen him in um i think he's in doom patrol at the moment which i haven't seen but it, that's getting good reviews, I think. Also, I recently re-watched Hot Fuzz and he's the kind of oh yeah That's grinning, grinningly sinister supermarket owner and that was the first thing I'd seen him in for years and it was really nice to see him. He's an actor I, enjo- I enjoy. That
1: is a film watching. that does comedy and I'm, I'm not going to say grittiness, it's not gritty but like graphic <laughs> occasional graphic violence. Like it does it much better than this film
0: yeah well it's not played for grit it's played for like just how like outlandish it is it's like the film knows what it's doing and knows what it's going for like every step of the way and to be honest when i saw it at the cinema i enjoyed it enough but i didn't think like oh this is this is a masterpiece but like just rewatching it and having like read some stuff about Edgar Wright and his craft and people mm. pointing stuff out. I was kinda of like, yeah, this is this is fantastically put together to the point that it all works so nicely that you unless you stop to notice it, you kinda of don't. But yeah, it just has has all these kind of like visual jokes that all land and great performances. It's kind of funny seeing Olivia Coleman in you know, a bit part and now she's Yeah, every time I
1: see Olivia Coleman in like an older thing, what were we watching the other day? Uh because she was in she's in Peep Show and
0: And uh and the Mitchell, like... Mitchell and Webb.
1: Yeah, and every time I see her now I'm like Oscar Winner, Olivia Coleman is yeah. in all this stuff, but she's brilliant in all of it, so you know, it's fine. But
0: Yeah. I would I would definitely rewatch that over over watching this again. Yeah. I I would like to know again Russian listeners, uh what can you recommend in terms of like Russian spy kind of stuff? I mean I've heard very good things about uh seventeen moments of, of spring, which was like a TV movie series. I think it was a twelve parter from like the early seventies. Cool. Yeah, it's uh it's about this uh, Soviet agent who is undercover in nazi germany and kind of like trying to undermine the third reich from within and apparently it's meant to be incredibly tense so uh so i'd like to check that out at some point and then there's another one again 70s although i think this is the late 70s called the meeting place cannot be changed which i think is about like a soviet detective going undercover to break up some like Organized crime syndicate or something like that, and that's that's meant to be very good and has the. Well, he's more famous these days as I say these days he died in 1980, but Mm. he's remembered as a musician slash singer songwriter. His name was Vladimir Vysotsky, but his day job was as a professional actor, and he just my understanding is he did his singer-songwriting and recording stuff kind of on the side and was only kind of, like, semi-tolerated. Like, he wasn't doing official music gigs throughout the 70s. He was just able to, you know, make things work. And, you know, he recorded all these songs. And he has the most gravelly voice you've (laughs) ever heard. He kind of... I mean, the closest thing in terms of English-language voices would be Johnny Cash but it's kind of like a level gravelier. I'll have to send you some like YouTube oh, do clips it. or whatever and like massively not well-tuned <laughs> acoustic guitars. It's like, you know, if you thought Bob Dylan was blasé about making sure his guitar was fully in tune, <laughs> like this guy is is even more nonchalant about that. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see him in an acting role. I don't know how big his part is in that, but yeah, he was well regarded as an actor, but like mostly not remembered as primarily as that. So yeah, we'll have to check those out. All right. Well, I think we should probably uh, draw this thing to a close. Thank you very much, Lynn, for being my guest again. You're
1: welcome. Thanks for having me along.
0: Yeah, it's been great to have you. And uh, thanks for putting up with this uh, slightly mediocre movie. <laughs> You're
1: welcome. I have to come and see mediocre movies whenever. <laughs>
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And dasvidania, folks.
1: Dasvidania.
0: So that's it for this episode. But before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovic and the highly skilled migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at Podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media... Please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now.